Now, I'm accustomed to summer vacations taking our people out, but this is crazy. <laughs> but we'll get through it. <laughs> we're in John chapter 9, and uh, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite healings that the Lord did. I just really like this blind man that Jesus healed. He's just, he just shows a lot of character. But in chapter 8, Jesus has declared who he is to the Jewish rulers, to the Jewish people in the temple. And he says, I am the great I am. But this offends the Jewish leaders and they take up stones to kill him. And we have Jesus taking on an unrecognizable uh, persona. They can't recognize him, and he just passes through the midst of them with no harm coming to him. Men, have you ever been shopping with your wife, and you're bored at looking at what she looks at, so you kind of drift off to your own thing, and you separate, and then you try to remember, what was she wearing that I can recognize her? where we can hook up again. Thank goodness for cell phones. But anyway, Jesus goes from the center of attention to being oblivious. Today, we don't have real, true images of Jesus or in pictures. I remember looking at a picture of Jesus on the my grandmother's wall and it's him crossing a bridge holding a lamb and I go yeah well maybe <laughs> I hope that thing but Jesus probably wasn't very handsome I don't think he had blue eyes and his robes were probably not that outstanding in fact the book of Isaiah tells us Jesus had no beauty that we should desire him for his appearance. Think of that. No beauty that we should desire him because he was outstanding in appearance. Jesus was very ordinary in the way he looked and the way he dressed. And Jesus passes right through this crowd that's wanting to kill him, and they can't even see him pass through. But Jesus passed through that crowd, and he noticed as he goes through the crowd, he noticed a man that's been born blind. So let's pick it up in John 9, 1 through 12. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the man with clay. 
And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated since. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors of those who previously had seen <clears throat> that he, the blind man said, Is not this who sat in the gate and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, It is like him. The blind man said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Jesus on many occasions sought out uh, people that needed him. He found his disciples. He found them. And Jesus, now he finds a blind man. And he's blind from birth. But Jesus is not deterred from doing the works of God, in, like in verse 4. And Jesus said, I must work the works of God the Father, regardless of the threats from the Jewish leaders to stone him. He can't allow that to stop him. How do the disciples know that this man is born blind? This man, he's it tells us that he sat and he begged. He probably sought money by declaring his story. Help me. I'm a man who's been born blind. I have no way of supporting myself. Can you help me? He had a, he had a good line, perhaps. Therefore, the, Jesus, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? Interesting that the disciples, they're helpless in helping the blind man. They only have questions. Why is he blind? Who sinned? Not if somebody sinned, but who sinned? Today, if we're not careful... We can be in a group and a person will ask for prayer of some type for healing or something. And if we're not careful, we can have a little of this disciple nature come out in us. And we want to diagnose the problem before we pray. We will say things, have you seen a doctor? Oh, I happen to have a friend that had the same symptoms as you have. And we'll tell them how to get better. And we can be like the disciples who have questions versus simply praying for that person. The disciples offered no relief or solution for this blind man. They just want to know why is he blind? Now, in that time, in that day, there were many beliefs about uh, sins within a person and how they pass down through uh, lineage and heritage. And 
They are thinking that this blindness is a result of sin. Personal sin either of him or his parents. They even thought you could sin in the womb. Or you could be going through punishment for sin that you're going to later commit. You know, the penalty before the sin. But there are some people, some psychologists, who agree with the sins of the father passing down to their children. They say things like, my dad was abused as a child, therefore I was abused, and consequently I will probably abuse my child. Or we hear things like, I can't help myself. I was born this way. It's my heritage to commit sins like my father. Well, the Lord cleared that up in Ezekiel 18, 2 through 4. Let me read you three verses here. What do you mean when you say this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. And the soul who sins shall die. Jesus, or scripture is pointing out here, no longer use this proverb. It was handed down to me and I couldn't help it. All souls are mine, says the Lord. The soul of the Son, the soul of the Father. And all a person's sins are responsible. You're responsible for your own sins, but not your parents. But Jesus, he declares here, this birth defect, born blind, which happens... It's not punishment from a particular sinful activity. Jesus said he didn't sin, his parents didn't sin, and now Jesus will tell the cause of the man's blindness. Verse 3, that the works of God should be revealed in him. This man is blind to bring glory to God. Jesus has found this man. Jesus sought him out. In our scripture reading, there was two blind men that cried out for Jesus. But this time, Jesus finds the blind man. And he tells his disciple, I must work the works of my father while it is day. I must heal this man. This man's blindness was to glorify God. That's a little hard to take sometimes, that we suffer so God, God may be glorified. Misery and disease are all around us ever since the fall of Adam. How did misery and death come in? Adam's sin. But Jesus will use this man's blindness to demonstrate his power and compassion over disease. Jesus says, I'm compelled to work the works of God while it's day. 
or when I confront and see suffering or diseases. Jesus cannot turn aside. He cannot bypass this guy. He must, because of who he is, heal this blind man. But the method Jesus uses, it's noteworthy. Jesus spits on the ground, made clay from the saliva, and rubs the clay in the eyes of the blind man. Now, he had to spit big time, okay, to make clay <laughs> to rub in the eyes of this guy. And then he tells the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, or the pool of being sent. This blind man obeys, and he comes back seeing Jesus has required that this blind man respond to go wash. You just go wash. And he receives his sight, but he must obey in faith. Now, what if that blind man had refused to go wash? What if he would say, well, Jesus, sorry, but this doesn't make sense. You've offended me publicly. You've rubbed clay into my eyes. Mud made from spit. Why are you ins insulting me, Jesus? He could have asked those questions. But the blind man receives his healing by being obedient to what Jesus commanded. He went, he washed, he came back seeing This blind man had a life of begging before he encountered Jesus. There's, there's an obvious miracle here, and it's so amazing that the people that see this beggar now seeing, they go, is this the beggar? Is this the guy who sat and begged? And he confesses, yep, it's me. <laughs> And I really like this blind man's character. The people and the rulers, they ask, how were you healed? And who opened your eyes? And the man retells his story. I went, I washed, I received my sight. And the rulers and the people, they want to know, where's the man that healed you? And he says, I do not know. He doesn't know where Jesus is. And apparently this man is not aware of who Jesus is. But we read a little further, and it's, we'll read up the finishing uh, dialogue here. 13 through 34. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees, now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. 
But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But by what mean he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed that if anyone confesses that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him again, What did you do? What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And this is when I really like this guy. And he answered him, I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. Then the man answered and said, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has not been heard of that anyone opened the eyes of one born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him and said, You were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us. And they cast him out, cast him out of the synagogue. Several things are interesting about this whole passage. And one, Jesus chose what day of the week to do it? A Sabbath. He chose a Sabbath to do this healing. And the Pharisees ask again how this man received his sight, and he tells them. And they ask again. He opened your eyes. What do you say? He is a prophet. So the Pharisees called the man's parents. They called this blind man's parents. Is this your son born blind? Yep, he is our son. How he sees, we do not know. He is of age, a grown man. Let him answer for himself. The parents are afraid of being excommunicated, afraid of being put out of synagogue. Now, that held a social, economical penalty. If you were put out of the synagogue, no good Jew would then do business with you. You relegated yourself to poverty if you were put out of the synagogue. You could no longer uh, have business dealings with a fellow Jew. And the parents are afraid they're going to be kicked out of synagogue. 
But the blind man, he's suffered rejection all his life. He's a beggar. He's been an outcast. And being excommunicated does not hold the stigma, the fear that it holds over his parents. Hey, I've been rejected all my life. You're going to kick me out of synagogue? Big deal. <laughs> you know? And it has no fear over him. And then the blind man gives a history lesson to the Pharisees. Verse 32. Since the world began, no one has opened the eyes of a person born blind. And if this Jesus were not from God, he could do nothing. This blind man has no fear of being an outcast. And the rulers do. They kick him out. They excommunicate him out of the synagogue, telling him, you were completely born into sin. This blind man's healing and his history as a beggar makes him a bold witness for Jesus. The lesson there is difficult times strengthen us. Peer pressure is a great pressure. It causes us to behave in certain ways. This man has only suffered rejection. He's been a beggar. In difficult times, his blindness has given him strength to see the truth. And the faith he had in Jesus also strengthens him. Without ever having seen Jesus, he proclaims he is a prophet. Later he will worship Jesus. And this former blind man, he is kicked out of synagogue. But here's, here's what I appreciate. Today, you and I, we get to identify with this blind man and perhaps a little of his character topples over to us. Maybe we can pick up on a little of his character having been rejected by others, having gone through uh, difficult times. But this blind man is willing to stand up to the religious leaders because one, he had difficult times as a beggar. And number two, he had faith in the living God, Jesus. And that strengthened him. We also worship Jesus. And if you're ridiculed for being a Christian, ridiculed for your worship in the living God, wear it like a badge. It's a good thing. It's a good thing when you're ridiculed for the right reasons. And this blind man teaches the religious leaders a truth about the living God. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.